When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Dan Shapiro, the Associate General Counsel at Green Lane Holdings, Inc. They're traded on NASDAQ as well. They're one of the largest global sellers of premium cannabis accessories and CBD products. Prior to joining GreenLane, Dan worked at CAA in the Sports Business and Legal Affairs Division. Dan's the founder and inaugural chair of the Cannabis Division of the American Bar Association Forum on Entertainment and Sports Industries and a member of NCIA's State Regulation Committee. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks, Bethany. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I see you stay very busy, uh, according to the intro I shared, and thanks for participating in our committee as well. But let's back up a little bit and get to know you a little bit better and hear more about some of the other things you've you've worked on prior to moving into the cannabis space and working with Greenlane Holdings. What kind of things did you do before? Absolutely. So starting back in college in D.C., I was very involved in politics and sports. might not always seem like one goes with the other, but sort of did multiple jobs kind of in both. From there, decided to go to law school in New York City at Cordozo, where similarly I did a lot of sports law. And through that, ended up focusing a lot on highly regulated aspects of sports. So whether it's collective bargaining agreements or sports gambling or antitrust, really digging my teeth from a legal side into some of the more complex regulatory aspects. And from there, from law school, ended up working in private equity, similarly in a lot of highly regulated spaces that deals a lot with some tension between state and federal government, uh, United States and EU, Canadian, Latin American law. And from there, really wanted to get back to sports at its core, ended up working at CAA and realized that I really loved the highly regulated, complex industry of cannabis and had taken sort of a previous passion for it. And now really thought from the experience I had, I think now is really the time to dig in full time. And that was about three years ago and kind of took all of my background in private equity and sports and highly regulated spaces and 
we'll get into some partnerships and endorsement and licensing aspect as well, but really took that, paired it with my longstanding passion for the plant and dove in. Wow, yeah, just I'm, I'm from DC myself and uh, I don't know much about sports, but but the, the politics is certainly in that city and, and there's there's a few new uh, stadiums and arenas in, in DC or at least they were new uh, 10, 15 years ago. What's that, Nationals Park? Is that a new one? Yeah, the, the Nationals Park is, is relatively new and then uh, I believe it's no longer the Verizon Center uh, in Chinatown within DC, but right. recently new sponsor. But yeah, it's it's a really robust sports town, and of course, the the political climate there uh, always provides a good deal of opportunity. Yes, very small city, but there's a lot going on there for sure. So let's let's go back into when you made that transition into the cannabis industry and working with cannabis. You said you had a longstanding passion for the plant. Let's talk a little more about that. So I grew up in a household with pretty liberal parents for for cannabis. Neither of my parents were were big drinkers. Really, alcohol was not a huge part of my upbringing in any way. My mom was from Los Angeles and grew up in the '60s. My dad, and as an artist, um, and my dad worked in the music business. and And while I wasn't surrounded by cannabis frequently, uh, it certainly was looked at in a way that I think a lot of people don't look at it. Uh, it looked at very much as a companion to alcohol or in a lot of ways, a a better alternative to alcohol or or other forms of tobacco. And um, when I was a a teenager, for me, I I always sort of drifted a little bit more to cannabis than for alcohol, always seemed to relax me. Uh, I played a lot of sports and had a good deal of sports injuries uh, through football and basketball. Um, when I had surgery for a couple of those injuries, painkillers were prescribed to me and it was mm. something immediately uh, that, that left a, a bad taste in my mouth, both literally and, and, and metaphorically. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and that's sort of when I started realizing, hey, you know what? Well, even though cannabis has always been talked about as, as a, a vice, but nonetheless a, a, an okay alternative, I'm not really sure that it's a vice at all. And let me kind of think about that. And I sort of spent the next couple of years really thinking about this is in my late teens into into college and my 20s of of really beginning to treat cannabis as more of an an, a pain treatment and alternative to to alcohol and tobacco. And I think ultimately then sort of more into a lifestyle. And this is all well before I even thought about it as a career. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to say, I appreciate your parents' healthy perspective on cannabis. Um, it's, it's a stark contrast to, to my experience for sure with my boomer parents who, uh, you know, didn't even want me smoking cigarettes <laughs> and, and, you know, great point about the injuries that comes up a lot. Um, painkillers are given out like candy in a lot of ways by medical professionals. And, you know, it's, it's not the greatest thing. It can help when it's needed, uh, but any kind of, you know, reliance or addiction to these can be very, very dangerous. And I have to point back to the white paper, the policy paper that NCIA published several years ago about the opioid crisis um, and how not only cannabis uh, can, can help balance out uh, pain, but can help people 
um, reduce their use of opioids and, and help if they have some kind of reliance as well. So that's a great industry report for folks who haven't read it yet. Search our industry reports section on our website and, and check that one out for sure. So moving to the present, Dan, uh, we're, you're with Green Lane Holdings. And you know, I, I've definitely seen the Green Lane booth or uh, structures, I should say, at our expo floors, at our conferences as well. There's there's a lot to see at those. So uh, what's going on with Green Lane this year in 2021 as we're emerging out of the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, so we, we always have a very robust presence at all NCI events and, and cannabis conferences in general. So for me, my day-to-day my -day role, as you mentioned, is the Associate General Counsel. And, and what that really means is I'm kind of a legal generalist, if you will. So really any type of legal issue that you could think of that could emerge within a company, I, ha with, with my general counsel, have a hand in it. So whether it's the cannabis regulatory scheme that we're working within that a lot of your listeners and readers and members are familiar with, or certain of our tobacco products and, and accessories and, and dealing with some of those regulatory concerns, or even just on a day-to-day -day of dealing with the labor of employment of operating a company or the mergers and acquisitions of acquiring different brands and different businesses that we wanna bring into the Green Lane home really depending on the day could be 10 to 15 different types of law. And one thing I'd also like to point out that I've been working very heavily on that's that's been announced is the prospective merger that we hopefully hope uh, that we hopefully will close at the end of August with Kushko, who's been a longtime partner of ours in a variety of different ways. And uh, we're hoping to then create the largest ancillary business in the space, uh, assuming that it, it ultimately closes at the end of this month. Wow, that's exciting. It, it really speaks to um, the maturing of our industry as I start to hear more about these mergers and acquisi acquisitions and uh, just more sophisticated business dealings that we would find in other industries uh, that are just normalized parts of, of that industry. We're moving out of that sort of startup uh, part of our industry just a little bit. Do you feel that? Absolutely. I think you really saw it in it, leading up into the pandemic, which I think to some degree slightly stalled some of the MA, but I also think gave companies a, a bit of a pause to really look around, assess the market. Of course, cannabis, unlike a lot of other industries, did very well throughout the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I think it allowed a lot of these companies to stock their war chest and take some time to think really heavily about how they want to create the next iteration of their business. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so happy that cannabis was an essential business during the worst of those lockdowns and shutdowns, right? Good grief. All right, let's take our first commercial break and then we'll come back and chat more with Dan Shapiro of Green Lane. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. 
Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm chatting with Dan Shapiro of Green Lane Holdings. And Dan, you recently submitted a blog for NCIA's website about celebrity branding and endorsements, which we kind of hinted toward earlier in the show. And this includes musicians. We know Willie Nelson and Melissa Etheridge are in the cannabis industry in one way, shape, or form, and sports celebrities also, all the athletes who are getting into the cannabis industry. Let's let's talk a little more about those sports-related celebrity cannabis projects. Yeah, so there's really a number of interesting partnerships that are growing. So one in particular that's that's a little bit unique is something that we've done it with the MMA artist or athlete, I should say, but artists, if you look at his branding and, and how he operates, Sugar Sean O'Malley. And mm-hmm. we ultimately did a accessory capsule for a water pipe with him for an upcoming fight where he really got to use his branding and creativity and use our capacity to build a product and distribute. And we were able to create a really cool line that sold out very quickly, uh, was able to be partnered with his fight, was able to be promoted both on our social media platforms and his, and really was a unique way for him to enter the cannabis arena, which he does in plenty of other ways as well, but from the accessory side where you don't have to be in a dispensary, you can really be in any type of, of shop. Another couple of interesting deals that that I've seen is Cookies, the the cannabis brand run by rapper and entrepreneur Burner, who we do a lot of business with, has a really interesting partnership with NBA Hall of Famer Gary Payton, where from both a clothing and cannabis clothing perspective, but also a cannabis strain perspective, has a Gary Payton line of products. And I think 15, 20 years ago, even five years ago, the the thought of a former athlete being that forthcoming about his association with cannabis is particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. And if and you want to go to the entrepreneurial side, you have former NBA player Al Harrington with his cannabis brand Viola, who just brought on Allen Iverson as a sponsor, and they're going to do a, a large line of products there. So there's really a lot of different things happening both with the plant or what, what I call touching the plant, and also with the accessory space, which gives a variety of different athletes and entertainers the ability to enter the space in a way that makes them feel comfortable, whether they want to touch the plant, whether they want to do accessories, whether they want a presence in a convenience store smoke shop type of market, or whether they want to be strictly in dispensaries. It, it really is giving athletes and entertainers the ability to, to kind of do what fits their personality. And I think it's good for them and it's good for the for the varying cannabis businesses who are looking to partner with them. Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense for sure. So yeah, more about sports. I mean, we're seeing a lot in the news uh, lately about athletes using cannabis. Um, the Olympics have been happening this summer. Uh, we had a little debate in the office at NCIA about whether cannabis is performance enhancing in this context. I mean, I see it more as pain recovery for injuries, but 
I mean, what are you seeing there? I also remember Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer, getting in a little bit of trouble many years ago as well. So on the pain recovery standpoint, I completely agree. And I, I think not only is it pain recovery, but I, I would liken it truthfully to, to getting a good night's sleep a couple of nights before a race oh, yeah. or, or drinking a lot of water and Gatorade and electrolytes a couple of days before performance. Now with Shikari Richardson in particular, the issue wasn't that she had consumed cannabis right before the race. It was that she had tested positive prior. So from my perspective, even if you wanted to, to make the argument, which I don't agree that it, it is performance enhancing in the way they're referring to it, it wasn't during the race. It was how you get your body and mind prepared to run this race. And to take uh, someone like Simone Biles, who very courageously valued her mental health above all else, which is a great lesson for everyone. I think yes. the same thing, I think the same thing is true here where she was dealing with the personal tragedy. She was dealing with stress and she was dealing with a lot of physical, uh, physical adversity in, in training for something of this magnitude. So the idea that it's okay to take a variety of different types of painkillers, even something as trivial as Tylenol, uh, but you couldn't consume cannabis a couple of days before I, it is silly to me. And with Michael Phelps, I remember coming back to the, the endorsement point, the issue with him really was this was after the Olympics, I believe, or either in between his, his main competitions. And, and it was really, oh my God, he's an endorser for all of these athletic companies and wellness companies. And God forbid he's seen consuming cannabis. And I'm actually really thrilled that I think despite what happened with Shikari, our, our culture in general would respond to something like Michael Phelps now a little bit better. I think we have a ways to go, but, but I think ultimately the idea that it's tarnishing his, his legacy or it's affecting the ability to advertise certain types of products or it goes against being a, a physical specimen or an athlete, I think is, is very much in a better place than it was when this happened. Yeah, yeah, you betcha. We didn't even use the phrase consuming cannabis back then. It was, you know, smoking dope or, you know, however you <laughs> wanted to word it. So it sounded so terrible. Um, so, of course, there's the cannabis product itself, the flower, the pre-rolls, the extraction brands and so on that the celebrities are participating in. Um, it, you mentioned the accessory space in particular, uh, and that's something that you focused on in that blog that you submitted for us about uh, celebrity endorsements. So this is the vaporizers and the grinders, right? Yeah, so it can include vaporizers, grinders, roach clips, trays, honestly can even include coasters and candles, depending on the theme that you want to talk about. It really is anything ancillary to the product itself. And I think while in the blog post that I wrote, which everyone should check out on, on the NCI website and social media platforms, it it's becoming a place where the culture of cannabis extends to so many different types of products, even non quote unquote smoking accessories can kind of be looped into the cannabis accessory space at this point. I saw a, an article today actually that uh, Colin Hanks, the actor uh, partnered with Jushi to release a, a handkerchief or handkerchief related to cannabis. And I wouldn't even call that necessarily a, a smoking accessory, but I think it kind of shows you where we're going. And, you know, for us, we have a brand called Glow Tray, which is a, a tray that lights up. 
uh, we've partnered with with Burner and, and a lot of different uh, musical artists who have different branding, et cetera, on those trays. We did a partnership with Jonathan Adler for certain candle holders and, and ashtrays and, and things along those lines. And you're really seeing that the accessory space is broadening and giving athletes and celebrities a lot more to sink their teeth into. I kind of want one of those light up trays now. That sounds really cool. <laughs> So yeah, celebrities are endorsing all kinds of products all the time. Um, makeup lines, face creams, perfume. I think Rihanna has a lingerie line and a makeup line. So there's so many products out there that can uh, that celebrities are, are endorsing and, and we're moving into the cannabis endorsement space. That seems to be normalizing our industry a little bit culturally. So in those terms, where are you seeing that going and evolving forward, forward always, as we see expansion of legalization across the country, state by state, and preparing now, hopefully, for federal legalization? I think you'll see a, a continued expansion among athletes and celebrities endorsing cannabis brands. I think there are definitely certain talent that are waiting for more federal legalization to dive in potentially as a result of other obligations or commitments they have that they may not necessarily want to, to jeopardize or, or call into question, which I think from a stigma perspective isn't as bad as it used to be. But I think still, nonetheless, there's some considerations there. But I think what you're going to see is sort of what I alluded to earlier, which is the cannabis culture is going to grow so much where the number of products and the type of products within that ecosystem is going to grow where so many different types of celebrities and athletes will be able to enter the space in a way that makes them feel comfortable and that fits their brand. For someone that might be a cannabis strain, for someone that might be a, a glow tray, for someone that might be a water pipe, for someone that might be a, a rolling paper, it, it's really going to give different talent the ability to enter the space if they so choose. And, and I think as legalization continues and as the stigma is removed and as the culture is emphasized, you're gonna see more and more different types of talent enter the space that you might not have necessarily associated with the space in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, the celebrity Whoopi Goldberg, who I've known her name my whole life, you know, household name celebrity, and she's, she's even got a seat on a morning talk show, right? She started a cannabis brand. I, I think that's amazing. And I have to applaud the celebrities that aren't waiting for full federal legalization that kind of have that bravery, that have that, I guess you kind of have to have a little bit of an activist spirit, um, like the people that have, have made the industry what it is to take that risk. Um, so I'm really encouraged by the number of celebrities and um, uh, sports athletes that that are jumping in already, um, you know, just as we're crossing over the threshold of what are we 1920 states now with adult use legalization and, and many, many more with with some form of medical. It's an exciting time. So applause to the celebrities that have already jumped in. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, who else comes out of the woodwork. Uh, on that note, let's take our last commercial break. And we'll be right back to wrap up our chat with Dan Shapiro of Green Lane Holdings. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. 
Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I've been chatting with Dan Shapiro from Green Lane Holdings about celebrity and sports endorsements in cannabis. And, you know, it makes me think about our trade shows happening this fall. Uh, We will be in Detroit, Michigan for our Midwest Cannabis Business Conference, September 22nd and 23rd. Uh, And then we'll be in San Francisco for our seventh annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo uh, on December 15th, 16th, and 17th. That's the really big one. And uh, I, I don't have the schedule of keynote speakers or performances, but Uh, We've certainly had some interesting celebrities come uh, perform or or be a keynote speaker over the years as well. Um, You know, also, you know, governors and things like that as well, the political side. But getting the celebrities involved at the trade show is super fun as well. So I'm super looking forward to getting back out to the trade show floor and 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 I'll I'll absolutely be stopping by the Green Lane booth as well. <laughs> I'll see you there, Dan. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, so for for people that want a little more information about those conferences, you can go to Midwest Business, Midwest Cannabis Business Conference.com and CannabisBusinessSummit.com. And of course, all that information's on NCIA's website as well, thecannabisindustry.org. I also wanna mention, Dan, you're, you're involved all this time outside of the trade shows. There's still a lot of work that goes on at NCIA. You're involved in our state regulations committee um, as NCIA's government relations team is primarily focused on the federal policies and regulations. Um, this committee, NCIA members, uh, works to focus on what's happening at the state level. Can you talk a little more about what's happening on the committee, the state regulations committee? Absolutely. So I just finished up yesterday, actually, my second one-year term on the state regulations committee and hopeful to be starting my third in a little bit. But what we've done over the last couple of years is it's a, a great group of cannabis professionals. It's not just lawyers at all. It's from all aspects of, of the cannabis industry. And we have certain subgroups within our broader state regulations committee. So I personally am on the informing local government subcommittee and the social equity subcommittee. And what both of those do, I'll start with informing local government, is we endeavor within our particular regions to find certain members of the local government and 
engage with them in a conversation to the extent they're willing on cannabis policy, how it impacts them, how it impacts their constituents. There are a number of blog posts that our subcommittee actually just released that can be found on NCIA uh, with a couple of interviews with certain uh, local government officials and, and their discussion of cannabis in general. And similarly with, with social equity, it's a continued effort to figure out what are the particular issues in, again, our certain regional areas. And we come from all around the country. I'm in Florida. There are certain members from Michigan and Massachusetts. And it really allows a body for, for thought, discussion, and then a wide array of, of action items that we can kind of do as a group and decide the best way to effectuate our overall goal, which, of course, for social equity is the promotion of social equity in a variety of different fronts and informing government is being able to find the best way to promote cannabis legalization wherever it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning some of those other blogs that your committee has has been sharing on our website. Um, in early August, there was a great interview uh, from your committee uh, with Dashita Dawson, Portland's cannabis czar. Uh, that one is the corporate to cannabis crossover, an interview with Portland's cannabis czar, Dashita Dawson. So that's, that's a great example of uh, going and having those conversations. Uh, boots on the ground, as they say, right? Absolutely. And it's a, a great group of individuals. And I encourage anyone interested in the cannabis industry to check it out and, and apply. Uh, awesome. Thank you. And as we're wrapping up the episode here, where can uh, our listeners find out more about Green Lane Holdings? Yeah, absolutely. So check out either vapor.com, which is our e-commerce platform, higherstandards.com, which is our retail presence and also e-com presence for our house brand, Higher Standards. Or if you want more general information about Greenlane, you can go to greenlane.com. Perfect. Thanks so much, Dan. I really appreciate your time today. And thanks to all of our listeners who are tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice every week. You can find us on Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and of course, our website, thecannabisindustry.org and Cannabis Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.